0: Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
1: Hey guys, this is a special episode of Yolitics. and uh, as we record this, late on on Tuesday night, I don't even know what Mm -hmm. day it is, as late on (laughs) Tuesday night, election night, some races are not decided, but let's Mm -hmm. get into what we know and what things are going to look like as we go into the fall so an interesting night it it has been an interesting night and it's going to be a long night for some candidates as they wait for uh the rest of the results to come in thank you for stalling there for just a moment you caught me I,
2: i didn't realize we were starting and i put a big old piece of pizza in my mouth it's been a long night of election coverage
1: and we get newsroom pizza, too, so yes. that, that's why they, they feed us that. Love it cold. Uh, we, we have a great panel of guests actually live with us. It's usually on Zoom, so I'm This is really nice to see actual people with us again. If only we were at a tavern somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you know? that'd make it even better. But we're in a Next year. Group. So we, with us, we have Krista Castaneda, a Democratic strategist who has run for office before on the Democratic side. We have Bud Kennedy from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, a columnist there. Jason Vialba is with us, uh, Republican, former Texas State Representative. Another Jason. Two J's, yeah, Jason's in here, three Jasons three, in here. Huh. Three, yeah, still here. Uh, yeah, dude, it's been a long <laughs> night. And Bernadine Steptoe, political producer at WFAA in Dallas. Before we begin, before Wheeler hijacks the microphone and, and just goes, um, our producer brought us something
2: ah how nice I have something to wash down the pizza with <laughs> now paper bag
1: I don't know what it is so it's, it's mermaids it's, it's mermaids and unicorns
2: I like that purple that,
1: beer because <laughs> purple yes. our producer Taylor Lumsden is, is thank you is right down the middle of
3: I love that we're gonna take one and pass it down <laughs> I think mm-hmm. the purple is going to be for Mardi Gras, Jason. This for for it the is, rest of the world is this was Mardi Jesus. Gras. I, I,
1: and you know what? I wish I were on Bourbon Street tonight too. It has alcohol. Uh, does that make it more palatable now, Bernadine, or less?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. This is this is the uh, uh, this is from Tyler. I have one of these in my in my
2: um, it's my front Okay. Have you had this
0: before? Um, I'm about to say yes, but I haven't had it before.
2: It's a mystical blonde ale, a mermaids mythical. and unicorns. And unicorns. It, that feels right after an election night, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it just does.
1: <laughs> so we're going to pop the top on these. What we're going to do, we're, we're going to go through a number of these big races here. Um, well, that's
0: nice. Let's, is it good? Oh, yeah, that's good.
1: Let, let's start at the top of, of the ticket here. Um, this was an easy one because there, there wasn't really anybody big challenging Beto O'Rourke on the, on the left or Greg Abbott on the right. Um, as as we as we go into the coming months here, Krista, we'll start with you immediately to my right here. Um, what does Beto O'Rourke have to do to get the cash to be able to, you know, really compete against Greg Abbott this fall?
5: Well, look, he is really good at raising money. The question is, is whether he can raise enough money to be competitive, which I think he will, um, given Abbott's big war chest. Uh, Really, it's going to be down to what I think is one of his prime skill sets, which is motivating people in places where Democrats don't normally go. And if he can like where, read- Like where? Tyler, uh, mm. Waco, um, Denton. Mm. Uh, Rural. The Penumbra around Fort Worth, um, even Collin County. you know, th- there, there are about 12 places, mm. 12 counties, where if we can really- drive down the Republican vote uh, proportionate to the Democrat vote, um, we can win statewide. But it takes an enormous amount of effort and focus Um, And it's not normally the playbook for Democratic candidates. Beto's been doing this long enough statewide, where I think he's learned a few things, and I think we're going to benefit from it.
2: He also kicked off his campaign in South Texas, and we keep talking about that sort of upside-down triangle at the bottom of the state, and how crucial that has become. It used to be so safe Democratic, uh, and and in 2020 we saw some surprised faces when you know those margins went down significantly in the presidential race down there, uh, and also we even saw some of those counties start to go a shade of pink and since then republicans have been heavily investing down there uh jason is that the battleground uh, as as we go forward into this uh the general
0: the rio grande valley is unique in a number of for a number of reasons one Um, Obviously, it's disproportionately Hispanic. You have a significant number of Hispanics down there. But the Hispanics down there have historically been Democrats. We've seen a couple of cycles where they've moved a little bit more to the center towards Trump. We saw that happen. And a lot of Republicans perceive that as a a trend. I, I, I looked at the data. I don't perceive it as a trend as much as an anomaly in two cycles. And it was driven by three things. Number one, it was driven by Republicans doing a good job Of getting down there and knocking on those doors during COVID when Democrats wouldn't do that and talking about issues like defund the police, green energy only, you know, those kinds of issues. uh, And so, and soft socialism leads the party, right? Those issues really were bad issues in what is a conservative Democrat region, right? Those Democrats down there aren't like the progressives you have in the major cities. They're very uh, centrist Democrats. A lot of times it's legacy. And so the long story of it is, if Democrats can get down there and engage and knock those doors and be in the same places that they they need to be, that the Republicans are, Coupled with what you're seeing, a change in the messaging. Tonight, the president in his State of the Union said a really wonderful line. He says, the solution isn't to defund the police. The solution is to fund the police. Trying to take that issue off of the table uh, for Republicans. And I think if Democrats can do that and, and, and talk about that, I think they're going to continue. To have better numbers than they had last time, and it gives them some hope. Going back to your other question, though, about Beto having a chance, I think he's got a chance, not necessarily uh, for the reasons uh, that you might think. I think he has a chance because Abbott has gone so far to the right. In trying to stave off an attack from the right, that he's literally fallen off the table, right? And with that kind of rightward shift, he's lost uh, centrists. You know, I'm a centrist uh, Republican, really a former Republican, more independent these days. And you know, I'm not comfortable with the kinds of uh, initiatives that he's pushing. So what, I would you vote for Beto, though? Um, I certainly would if Beto could show me that he was interested in. Real kitchen table issues, rather than you know the, the calling cards of the progressive left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he tries to identify with Cassar and Cisneros mm-hmm. and AOC, uh, no. But if he says, "Look, I'm about you know keeping the streets safe and making sure we've got good schools," bringing it back to the middle, about, yeah, yeah, That's what I, if he says that, certainly.
1: But but go ahead there. You're about to chime in. You you do have the the benefit, unlike the rest of us
3: here, of the the arc of time. Your, your first election was what, 50 years ago this year i covered an election on <laughs> in november 1972 Jeez. i covered a state senate seat that flipped in fort worth and it's continued to flip for the last That's 50 years S-
1: sd10 the, the question on the table right now can, can beto o'rourke get the money necessary he has the organization can he go to these places that chris is talking about the tylers the wacos these places democrats don't normally go and really have a chance
3: considering what jason said that that You know, Abbott's moved so far to the right. Well, Jason's posed the questions. They're both great questions. You know, can Abbott move to the middle and can Beto go to the places he needs to go? And I feel like the answer to both those questions, maybe no. (laughs) I mean, I I think that, that, uh, you know, Don Huffines has pulled Governor Abbott. To the right has continued to pull him further and further to, to the right in the campaign, and has just taken him to the edge of, of conservative politics. Uh, when you have Dan Patrick on the ticket right behind him, when you have developments like Tim O'Hare being the county judge candidate in, in Tarrant County, who's alienated both Latinos and uh, Black residents in, in his in his camp in his uh, passed uh you the republicans Democrats, you know democrats legitimately say the republicans might have gone too far to the right but then can democrats connect with anybody in any logical way if beto comes out like he did on election night and talks about voting rights and abortion and progressive issues uh, that's not really going to connect with the the voter who is trying to fight inflation and and wants economic development and wants jobs success and opportunity for the state of texas And, and if you're just now getting some of these results on
1: this podcast here we appreciate that but uh Fort Worth Mayor Betsy Price, former Fort Worth Mayor Betsy Price, lost to Tim O'Hare, who is the uh, the chairman of the Tarrant County Republican Party and the uh, former mayor of Farmers Branch too. That was a pretty big upset. A lot of folks thought that might go into a runoff, thought it'd be closer, but it clearly shows a trend there. Bernadine, let's let's bring you in on the conversation here as well too. Um, I'm not going to date you here, Bernadine, but you've seen a couple of these races in years past. Can, can is Beto? Are you going to take that, Bernadine? I know. It, yes. <laughs> I'm proud of. it. Scoot closer to that mic there. Scoot closer okay, to the mic. Okay, can Bernadine. you hear me
4: now? Um, Come
1: on in. You know, Democrats. Are, Democrats are saying, rightfully so, that that, that Beto O'Rourke is going to be the Democrats' best chance uh, since the mid '90s, since Ann Richards.
4: I think they're correct, and I also think that um, that he is going to go to places where he needs to go. And, uh, but his challenge is going to be to turn out these large cities, to maximize that turnout, and uh, and also sort of uh, um, make enrols into these rural counties. Because that's where he's going to have most of his challenge. Because in the last election, he didn't maximize the votes in in in, in Houston and in Dallas and those areas. He has to get that vote out. So his challenge is going to be to maximize turnout in those Democratic ha- ground. Uh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> 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 to maximize the turnout.
1: And do, do you remember? Do you remember in, in eighteen? Uh, when the first results came in, it was all the cities reported the results first Yeah, and Beto shot out front of Ted Cruz and he stayed out front for
2: a long time and it was like, wow, this guy is going to do this tonight and then late in the evening that sea of red washed over from West Texas across and it was like, okay this is a familiar result but it got close. Um, I'm curious if he can energize Democratic voters and independent voters enough though because I will say as we are recording this right now, we don't have the final numbers of how many people voted in the Republican and Democratic primaries and what that percentage looks like. But we can look at early voting and early voting had some abysmal numbers uh, for for Democrats. It's a low number, you know, and if you go back to 94, they were well above 10 percent of of voters in the primary voted in the Democratic primary. And that's the last time they won elected state office here. Uh, So there's a big job to do there in energizing voters. My curiosity is Greg Abbott's got a ton of money. Does he um, do? Do we read anything into this uh, whole thing that, you know, he got 60 something percent of the vote, but the past two times in in the primaries he had 90 percent plus. Do we read anything into that? I mean, I I think we can probably be pretty assured that Republicans are going to close ranks now that this is settled and and we head into November.
0: I don't think you can uh, only because the two candidates that opposed him. Well, there was really three candidates, and they were both names that people recognized. Right, Huffines had served in the Texas Senate, and West was just recently the county, uh, the party chair uh, statewide. So those were names that people could get behind. Uh, They certainly resonated with that very far right fringe of the party, and that was enough to pull away, you know, twenty percent that that Abbott would have certainly gotten had they been more more Chad Prather and less Alan West. So will those
2: people sit on their hands in November and, and not have anything to do with Abbott, or will they come around? Oh, I think they're going to
0: ultimately go with Abbott because they're going to look at... Uh, Abbott's going to do a very good job of painting Beto as a far-left, progressive, AOC, hmm. uh, Greg Kasar style candidate. They're going to talk about guns, t- taking away the guns. They're hmm. going to talk about he's not in touch with Texas uh um uh, issues and and he doesn't understand us as people because he's he's so far to the to the left that's what the that's what they're going to do to him and and I think the people that voted for Huffines and West will come home and vote for Abbott.
1: Let, let, let's settle this question how do you pronounce his name is it beto or beto i say beto, beto. you say beto
0: i vote beto on beto. that one. Mr.
1: O'Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead Bernadine. one
4: thing that uh we must understand about beto is the fact that Texans know him by now. So by the time Abbott starts uh, uh, ne- uh, building or trying to reinvent him, then uh, it's not like he, he was new to the territory when he ran, the, ran for the Senate. So, again, Beethoven's challenge is going to be to mobilize his Democratic and independent supporters. And can he build that momentum? And when he ran for the Senate, I'll never forget, Bud Kennedy told us that the voters are going, Democrats are going to turn out for him. And we laughed at him. We because remember he was a no name, you don't even remember. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bud always knows we we what he's talking about. <laughs> and we were like, we were like
4: well, What do you mean? Because yeah. his no one, his, one knew him, you're right. Nobody no, knew him no his one knew numbers were so high. Yeah.
2: Bud did. Yeah. Bud did. Bud, and Bud told him. us. Yeah.
4: And so he was able to mobilize them. Now when he ran for president, it was a new ball game. Mm-hmm. But you have the situation now where people know him.
1: Bud's, Bud's like the candidate whisperer. you know? <laughs> Yes, yeah. I
2: want. I want to ask this uh, as we go down the roster here and talk about lieutenant governor. Now, uh, you know, it's it's strange how this is really the most powerful job in Texas government when we get down to it. Um, and yet d- does anyone care about it i mean you know the, you know we all knew that dan patrick was going to run away with it uh tonight and uh you know is is this going to get the kind of focus it needs are we going to have a, a slugfest in this one uh or not
3: um mike collier and dan patrick a close race last time around you know mike collier has a runoff this time around yeah uh, and he, you know he's going to have to prove himself to democratic voters again but that's going to give him some time to raise his profile and and raise his name id I, I i expect him to win the runoff over whichever one of the two democrats you know he winds up against it was still fairly close uh you know so i think that Mike collier you know can run him the, the situation is the dynamic of this election is so different the republicans with joe biden in the white house have about a five percent advantage now that they did not have in that cycle so if patrick beat collier by three i think it that was time, close yeah. it was close that's about an eight point margin this time mm-hmm. and so it's good but you know call your behind Beto on the ticket you know will help i mean that's a ticket that democrats can can market and promote and raise money with to businesses across texas particularly if republicans seem to be abandoning businesses on issues like lgbt uh, equality uh, economic development bringing businesses to the state a uh, Beto and Collier's a ticket Democrats can sell. Krista, for a party though that that prides itself on diversity, that's a pretty white ticket.
5: It is. It's an interesting result this time mm-hmm. around. Um, but I think everybody's right. Beto inspires um, some faith, and he will. He, he is the the tide that will lift other boats, including Mike Collier, um, Rochelle, if she's the the Democratic nominee for AG. Um, there there will be some diversity on the ticket no question Janet wow. Detting is uh, going to win the nomination for for comptroller uh, so I think I think we're I think we'll see some diversity on that ticket even though at the very top it appears there will be possibly two well to be clear you know, on
2: the rep- Republican side it'll be the same way yeah exactly
5: you know? yeah but exactly. come on
1: you, you expect it to be like that on the on Republican side right Uh, I I don't, you know, for for as much as going on with democratic politics, for as diverse as it is, especially we're seeing on the national level, um, it's just interesting. But, you know, whoever surfaces is whoever the voters want. So that's. Uh,
5: well, and th- it's also who signs up.
1: It's also who signs up. That's a, that's a really good point. That's recruiting true. the candidates. Let's get down to, to the, the big race right here that, that we were really watching going into tonight. The attorney general's race. And we're still going to be watching as we, we leave tonight. Right. <laughs> After this podcast. The attorney general's race on the Republican side. Um Jason, let's start with you on this. Ken Paxton, we thought he might go into a runoff. He's going into a runoff. As we record this podcast, we don't know who it's gonna be with, whether it's uh, George P. Bush, the former land commissioner, or if it's- um, Ava Guzman. Ava Guzman, the uh, retired Texas Supreme Court justice. Is Paxton in trouble? That's the question.
0: I think Paxton is going to have a challenge on his hands, whoever uh, is the ultimate candidate that he's going to face in the runoff. Uh, George P. and Eva both present different challenges for him. But let's face it, I mean, Paxton is wounded. He's been wounded for over two years. Uh, and going into this most recent cycle, I think the, the injuries are getting worse. He's he's bleeding. That's why he, so many sharks are starting to circle. And showing up with 42% on election night when you've been an incumbent for, what, six years? Um, that's quite telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, a, a, as an incumbent, you never want to be in a runoff situation just because it's so dangerous um, because people can pick you off. Now, there is breaking news since the time that we started recording this, Dave Wasserman, the the great sage in Washington, has said that he's seen enough. His his patent phrase, and he believes that it's George P. Uh, that's going to to go. Now he's probably not looking at the Houston numbers like we are, but for all of the votes that have come in so far, about seventy nine percent, George P. Is now up about three points. A uh, realistic, uh, uh, a very difficult number to overcome, exclusively with Harris County. He's three points to, ahead of Eva three points one? Of, yeah. Ahead of okay. at, uh, almost a four. So he's got the numbers, I think, to 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 take it over the top and be uh, the second candidate. I think I think Eva would have had a better shot at picking off Paxton. But look, make no mistake. That's a that Bush that Bush is a machine. Uh, they're going to be ready. They're going to be funded. They're going to have all all of the the. Teams circling the wagons, and they're going to go after them. And they're, they're going to hit them. H- st- I think they're going to hit them harder than they certainly did during the early part of the race. And they're going to have some pretty good name recognition
2: uh, yeah. as well, there, especially here in Texas. Uh, so, you know, but Ken Paxton, though, has been wounded since he began uh, running for attorney general here in Texas, and he's running for his uh, third term here. Is the difference this time? I mean, you know, I think that the Texas Tribune had the best line, and I think this was last year that they wrote this. If you don't know by now, um, which a lot of people haven't been paying attention, even though it's been going a long time, Ken Paxton uh, is has been indicted on federal securities fraud charges uh, for some time now, and the Texas Tribune last year said that those that case against him, which has just been tied up in the courts forever, is old enough now to start attending kindergarten. Um, and I think that was last year, so that case may actually be moving on to first grade now. Um, is the difference this time, the fact that he had aggressive people, aggressive opponents in his own party who came after him and they took the gloves off. This was bare knuckles.
4: Well,
5: true that, but let's also remember that he had the whistleblower complaints within the AG's office. And his own people. half of his staff that was close to him quit complaining that he was doing the quid pro quo for for political donors, which is taboo on both sides.
2: And these were his hand-selected people. Exactly. It's not like some outsiders who are trying to get you.
5: Exactly. So, you know, maybe those blows landed a little bit more solidly than, you know, the past stuff. And, um,
1: and, and Bud, that's still an ongoing FBI investigation, a corruption investigation that those seven lieutenants, Jeff Mateer and a number of others, are, are still... We're told cooperating in, so that that is a shoe that could drop at any
3: time. Yeah, there are all these dark clouds hanging over him. I mean, he's out on bail. He served as attorney general while being out on bail from the <laughs> from the original violation. But, but you know what you haven't mentioned is involvement in the in the U.S. Capitol uh, fracas. The fact that he spoke at the Capitol is January sixth. Ident- January sixth is identified with a January sixth event, and so you see him as being the darling of the Trumpers but does that take him far enough? And you also see a division now in what used to be his solid conservative, social conservative uh, church and values voter support. You see a split now that some of the Catholic conservatives will split to George P. Bush and, and, and have split. Uh, he, he now is more of, a, has still has evangelical Trump voter support but not the full faith and values support that we saw. You saw Louis Govert challenge him in the primary. Well, what I hear
2: you saying there, though, Ed, I mean, uh, Bud, is that, uh, I don't know, I'm making things up. Man, this,
4: <laughs> <laughs> this mermaid's a yeah, stuff. Is that's good. a strong beer, man. Huh? Wow.
2: <laughs> what I hear you saying there, though, about those dark clouds is is that there could be bad news for him, even, you know, let's say he does go forward into a runoff and then into a general. That's a lot of months in there when something really bad can happen, and one of his opponents, Louis. Gomert has made, uh, you know, a lot about that, saying that, you know, the next shoe could drop as we're headed toward the, the, the general election, and if this guy is the nominee, it's going to cost us, and Democrats will pick that seat off if he's taken out for some reason, because we can't put another candidate in there by the time this is decided. Uh, Democrats are smelling blood here, too, aren't they, Bernadine? Well,
4: yes, but you know what? <laughs> I must say this. <laughs> that's, that's <Bernie's
2: laughs> got you know what? That's Bernadine's yeah. classic phrase. That's when you really the, listen.
4: <laughs> everything that, that everyone has said is true and everything that you will say about is bad news for an incumbent but keep this in mind he has had these legal troubles for ever since he's been in office he is still he he's still got more votes than everybody else and he's subject not to win now, I'm not saying he's going to win but he he survives mm-hmm. yeah. He survived, so I would never write off Ken Paxton.
2: It's almost like it's baked in, uh, like it was with former President Trump, that people accepted him, uh, his supporters accepted him, you know, warts and all, and almost no matter what happened or what came out of his mouth or down his Twitter feed, it was whatever, we understand this. We've we've already bought in.
0: I still think the distinction, though, is that— there's more than one case now. There are myriad cases. There are personal issues and there's, there's scandal. I mean, look, let's be clear. One of the scandals that is, that's dogging him is the fact that he had an affair in the office and that he ended up getting that woman a job. Uh, with resources from the state, that that is not insignificant. That kind of stuff, when George pulls it out, which he will in the runoff, is going to resonate. Unlike some esoteric securities law case that people have been, you know, they don't even know what it is about, but yeah, they're people gonna, can understand. People stuff like understand this, this yeah. and they're, and they're, he's going to pull it out. Gomer already started I, to do that.
5: I, I I can't wait for the return to we care about politicians who have affairs. I don't think that's likely to happen, but but if it is, then uh, you know that'll be a return to values that we haven't seen in quite some time.
0: But it's not—it's not just having an affair; it's having an affair and then hiring the woman. That was a part of the 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 triangle, right? And so she, they use state resources for this. This is not insignificant. And you know, the Republican Party, uh, there are instances where the evangelicals and other um, religious conservatives have a problem with that kind of thing, and it does impact um, some folks. And it's even more inconvenient, I guess, if you're talking about somebody who's considered
2: the top cop or the top lawyer of the state. That's uh, it. Does but he doesn't try
4: cases. I'm going Correct. to. Say Say this before we have to leave. Well, it's a good this
3: thing because neither the, one of them have ever tried
4: cases. This is the party of Donald Trump. Yeah. Everything we've said is him. So that's all, the only thing I'm saying. I'm not saying he's going to win, but those things that we're talking about does it resonate with the average vote with the Republican voters? Right. This is the party of Donald Trump.
1: Well, let's let's clarify that because um, this is going to be the top ticket. The, the top uh, uh, campaign for the uh, the runoff on May 24th. And there are people who might have voted Democrat who might wanna hop in there and vote for or against somebody, especially in this race, Krista. And we talked about this earlier. Here's earlier, if I voted in Democratic primary, can I now switch over and vote for or against Ken Paxton?
5: You cannot. Once you commit to a party primary, you can't cross over and vote in the other party primary, by law. In fact, today, when I voted, I signed an oath, as everybody else did. I'm a Democrat and I will not vote in any other primaries in this election cycle.
1: But you pointed out as well, too, if I didn't vote at all, then I could
5: then get you, into this. Then you could go in and sign a ballot on either side and say, declare yourself to be that party for yeah. that election cycle for the runoff, right? But you cannot have previously voted well, in the other side's primary.
2: And the neat thing is, is that that means most Texans can go vote in this one in 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 the runoff because <laughs> almost nobody showed up and bothered to right, vote. Right, even eighty
3: five percent of Texas are, are, are eligible to vote. It's just It's stunning. It's
2: stunning when you think that we've got more than 17 million people registered to vote in this state. And, you know, almost no one goes out to vote in these primaries. These primaries are hugely important. A lot of times they determine the winner because there's nobody running on the other side. Or, you know, you don't have a voice and, you know, maybe you get the most extreme candidates because the most
3: extreme sliver of people might show up to to actually cast a ballot. This will be in May. Uh, School will be out. People start their vacations. It's the Tuesday after Memorial Day, people will be drowsy. What you could know, go wrong? It, it, it will be and a, they, it will be a tiny turnout. The example I always give is, is, and this was later in the summer, but the runoff that sent Ted Cruz to Washington as the senator from the, United, from the state of Texas – 2% of Texans sent Ted Cruz to Washington.
1: Yeah, right. and, and that, that was a race, uh, for, for people who don't remember, 10 years ago, David Dewhurst, the then lieutenant governor, was the favorite, and he ended up in a runoff uh, for that. Ted Cruz was nobody. I didn't know who Ted Cruz was. I'd been here 15 years or so. I had no idea who he was. I bet the Bud The Solicitor did. General. Bud clearly knew. Bud, <laughs> Bud probably predicted <laughs> that he was going to win, too.
0: But I was because, on that I was on that ballot. To Bud's point, you uh, were, Yeah, you yeah, were. On you was, was on that, on that ballot, <laughs> and I went into a runoff with Bill Keffer, the king of the teapot. Party. So I was wow. fighting the king of a tea party in this very low trend election and I won. Wow. So it's possible for a centrist. To win, even in an unusual season, runoff, it, yeah. unusual circumstances in the runoff, what I found was that in the runoff, it's who works the hardest. Mm. Yeah, get out that vote. Get That's, out, that's, that's, or, that's or it. The end of the day. those doors. Get, spend that money. Get those ads up. And who works hardest can win those races. Two years ago,
1: in November of 2020, we talked, or a year and a half ago, we talked about uh, the, the suburbs: Collin County, Denton County, even Tarrant County, it's not a suburb. Uh, Hayes County, uh, Georgetown, Williamson, Williamson County, yeah. Fort yeah. Bend yeah. County. Um, Montgomery County. Yeah, you're, you're, you're above my head now. I know where it is. Come on, Come on, I, I've been down the County. river. It's that, that, that stretch that
2: you're going up through 35 from uh, San Antonio up to yeah. Austin, Camal, Guadalupe. This hey, sounds like a
3: storm warning. It, it does sound <laughs> it like does. a storm, storm warning. There's a lot
1: of them down through there. That's where all the attention was uh, a couple of years ago. Now, I think a lot of attention is in the Rio Grande Valley because the, the Democrats have had that. Uh, as a blue wall down there on the Rio Grande for for years, and now the Republicans are chipping away. Jason mentioned this a little earlier, and, and said that you think it was it was an anomaly. Jason, Krista, what do you think?
5: Well, I agree with Jason that the Hispanic voters in the Valley are Democrats primarily, but not liberal. They're not they're they're conservative voters. Um, there are many things in the party platform that. Democrats are losing those voters. Now, let's also keep in mind, though, it's a numbers game, right? And there aren't as many numbers down there as people want to give focus to. Mm. Um, It's still a very important constituency for for the Democrats. But overall, Beto becomes governor if he gets more votes, wherever those votes come from. So he's going to maximize that how he can.
1: But Democrats don't have enough votes to cede any.
5: I don't think I agree with really? that. I, I well. There are many theories in my party about how to win a statewide election. <laughs> and 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 you know, some of them are the penumbras around the city. If we just turn out more of the Democratic base in, in the places where Democrats are, we can win. That may be true, and we've tried that multiple cycles. There are others who, say, who like Beto, say, I gotta take this message to the whole state because mm. we have got to compete statewide if we're going to win statewide, with which I personally agree. It's probably a combination of both. But it's very hard to do because we have not been contesting elections statewide for a very long time.
3: But some of this is tailored to the candidate because the traditional Texas Democrats from the Hillary Clinton school of Bill White and Richards were strong in the valley. They would win everything south of I-10 and then you know, pick off a few other uh, you know, counties and states to the north. Beto was terrible in the valley, came out of El Paso, had already, already alienated the voters by beating Sylvester Reyes, you know, it, you know lost 14 counties in the valley, in the primary in 2018 he was awful in the valley so the democrats had to come up with a new strategy this is just trying to make something up out of thin air to fit better Hmm. Uh,
2: let's talk about congressional district 30 uh, for our listeners in in north texas Uh, this is the the seat uh, that was left behind by the resigning uh, eddie bernice uh, johnson retiring uh, retiring what did I say? Resigning. I tell you, this mermaid's thing here.
5: <laughs> Retiring. You sure it's not the unicorn? Jeez, uh, it it all was, right. may have been the unicorn. All
2: right. Retiring, though, after an extraordinary amount of time in Congress since 1992. She has uh, survived a long time there. And we see this enormous crop of people jumping into this race for really a once in a generation change uh, in that seat. And all night, we were saying, there's no way anybody gets above 50 percent when you've got nine people running and
1: you know i don't know what bud, the numbers predicted it. bud predicted it though
2: yeah bud you know bud <laughs> always knows i don't know what the numbers ended up being but uh, you know as we were coming on here uh we were looking at a runoff even though for a long time it looked like uh, or, or for a while there
1: it looked like we might actually have a winner tonight yeah and, and bud you you thought that the jasmine crockett who is the uh, the candidate endorsed by Eddie Bernice Johnson might get more than fifty percent. She's also the the state representative re- representing
3: that area too. From that area, and she had such high visibility during the Democrats' trip to Washington last year, the fight for voting rights. When and, they walked uh, out and broke her, she's colorful. You know, has a high social media presence. Uh, she was know, on I, TV I, a lot. She was uh, on uh, TV she, all she the she sort of time. Became everywhere. the spokesperson for the the Democrats leaving the state. She was on national TV, which is like the gold standard these days for. Candidates in either party. I really thought she that she might be fifty, and I think it, it says a lot uh, that that uh, that she didn't. It sa- says a lot for. Uh, I'm sorry, of uh, uh, hope Jane uh, Hamilton. Jane Hamilton. Jane, Jane hope hope, hope, Hamilton. Jane Hope Hamilton. Yeah. It says a lot for Jane Hope Hamilton and the strong established structure that she has that she was able. To keep that stay in the runoff, yeah. And, and
1: Jane, of course, is, is second right now. She'll be in the runoff with with Jasmine Crockett on May twenty fourth. Uh, Krista, from the from the left, you thought the same thing that Jasmine might have enough support to make it without a runoff.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I've lived in this district for a, a dozen years, and uh, Jasmine is an interesting person. You know, she came from behind and took her legislative seat in in Texas, um, and kind of, you know. Fought her way into the position and and has kind of done the same thing here. Um, it, it, as as she said, people have been courting this seat for a very long time. People have been going to Representative Johnson and saying, "Can I be your your you know Air apprentice, appearance. your heir apparent? You know You're what can I do for you? Well, someday I wait for you, for my seat and." she got it and and it's just a very interesting race to me and mm-hmm. and i thought she had a pretty good shot at maybe avoiding the runoff as well just because of the way things work in this particular district uh, i've
1: mm-hmm. been asking wheeler for that same position the the understudy air <laughs> parent but i'm still waiting <laughs> i'll tell well you too.
2: what I'll, I'll i'll just give the main <laughs> role to you it'd be a lot easier for me
1: we, we, we could talk about about ballots for days on in here oh. but let's go around one more time here can and, i just say one thing about yeah, that yeah. before we about do about city 30
2: no about ballots oh. um Were you going to go around the table about that? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I just have to say this. So, uh, you know, we had this ballot issue, especially in Harris County, where, you know, they had a problem with the paper and they had to do, what is it? They had to duplicate a bunch of them so that they could run them through the machine because the machine didn't want to take them, them which happens. And, you know, you don't see tonight anybody screaming, crying foul, showing up outside election headquarters. And it just makes you realize there's a better way. You know, we went through this with the 2020 election. If there was any delay in counting, you know, the first thing that people would jump to is, "Okay, what nefarious thing is going on?" You'd see people showing up and protesting and threatening and so on and so forth. But it's amazing when we're having a partisan primary that that doesn't happen. So maybe it's instructive that we can have a better way forward. A lot of times we don't get the votes counted by the end of a night. Things go wrong. It happens.
1: Yeah. And if our, if our listeners didn't didn't see that on, on Tuesday night, there were a number of ballots. We don't know how many in Harris County, the largest county in the state, that were not counted for a while because they just wouldn't feed into the machine. And the paper got chewed up a little bit. They had to photocopy some of those. And it's frustrating. And it's
2: frustrating. It's frustrating for the candidates. It's frustrating for voters. Everybody wants an answer. You know, we're the microwave society where we want everything to be done in a minute. Uh, And we don't like to wait. But, you know, if you survive as a democracy, you have to get used to the fact that sometimes it just takes a while to count the ballots. And it's just going to be that
1: way. Let's uh, indeed. So let's go back around Room. Bernadine, we're going to start with you here. Uh, final question. W- what are you going to be watching for in the coming months here? Who has to spin things up? W- what's the, the race you're paying attention to?
4: The Paxson race. Um, I, I'm, I'm very curious, number one, to find out who will be in the runoff with him.
1: George P. it looks like was Jason was saying. It's looking yeah, i pretty, yeah, foregone. Four points now. Oh four yeah. Points. Oh, it's
4: four points now. Well, definitely so, because I like to to watch and see if the Republicans want another Bush, and if uh, Paxson has been bruised enough that the the Republican voters don't want him anymore. But that's the race that I will be watching.
2: And do those other people move over? Uh, you know, do, do do the people who went for Ava Guzman and Louis Gomert, do they consolidate uh, behind George P. Bush much more so than they do Ken Paxton? Because last numbers I saw, the three of them together had far more votes than he did.
0: Well, Eva's a friend, George is a friend. I've, I've been talking to them both throughout the race. I sense that Eva will certainly get behind George um, for the runoff, and so he'll, he'll have her support. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I, and like Bernadine, I'm interested to see how that plays out. I mean, well, is Ken Paxton wounded enough to to lose? Uh, and I, the verdict's still out, of course, but it, it looks like it's possible. The race I'll be watching and the, and the one that most intrigues me and in my theory of the case has been that Abbott, having moved so far to the right, that he's vulnerable in a way that he's never been before. And his numbers should be much higher than they than they have been the polls that we've seen head to head with Beto he should be 25 points up at this stage in the in the in the race particularly with somebody who said you know take away their guns and yet he's not he's within 5 points in most uh, polls we ran a poll at the Texas Hispanic Policy Foundation and it was neck and neck hmm. we're going to run one uh, recently well that was in October we're okay. going to we're going to run one again um in the next couple of weeks and we'll look at obviously hispanic trends and hispanic votes but we'll do it overall as well and to see Mm. see where it it falls but i i think that uh, that he's self-inflicted he's got a self-inflicted wound that he that he may not be able to overcome Mm. well bud what are you you Um, watching for the race
3: that i want to watch is the one we haven't talked about and nobody's talking about yet i i think dan patrick against mike collier or michelle beckley i think Uh, and it's because of what we've talked about abbott has moved so far to the right the question is has he moved so far to the right that he's made patrick more vulnerable and can beto raise enough money and organize that even if beto is too liberal or out there to win a mike collier might be able to to beat patrick Mm -hmm. collier and patrick was the closest race four years ago compare that to, to the you know, wide you know, span of the governor's race. Collier and Patrick was the closest race, even closer than Paxton's race. Mm. And so you know, that has a chance to be close. If it goes the other way in the runoff, if Michelle Beckley is the, the Democratic nominee, I mean, she's a fireball. Yeah, I mean, she, really she will take Beto further to the left. <laughs> But there'll be more spirit and and, uh, a great deal of motivation for Democratic voters in that race. She'll be the first to tell you, though, too, that she flipped a a red district to get elected. uh, She flipped a red district to get elected, and and she will give Dan Patrick the run for— for his life and so I think that either way that runoff goes that's a a, a race that nobody's talking about now that will be interesting by the time we come back in November. Always Mm -hmm. listen
5: to Bud Kennedy. Always. I'm writing this down. Always. Always.
1: (laughs) Krista final word what are you watching for?
5: I'm panning out from all of this and watching the world take a different shape because Who would have thought a week ago Mm. that most of the world would be aligned on the force of good against evil and that we would see eye to eye and the people who were supporting strong men would be talked down and out of their positions. I think we're in a in a change. I think we're in a real seismic change um, it, on so many fronts in Texas and elsewhere. And I think that's what's going to have the biggest impact on all of these elections. Mm. And let me just also point to the fact that um, there's all these icebergs floating below the surface. That grid thing may pop up again. Um, they're still trying to decide what the price of electricity was a year ago. And that's going to be decided by the Austin Court of Appeals sometime before the election. I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, in the the biggest electric utility, oldest electric utility in Texas, Brazos Electric, bankruptcy judge for their bankruptcy heard testimony that said Greg Abbott is the one that said these prices have to stay high for the entire week. You know, this was
1: during the February. This storm. is during
5: the February storm, and we're going to be paying for it for the next 30 years oh. if it holds. So. There's a there's some things floating below the surface that just may become the things that really remake the Texas political mm. map. Woo.
1: A lot of smart people in this room, Wheeler. It is great to be in a room with a bunch
2: of smart people and to be the dumbest one in the room because <laughs> yeah, you right. learn a lot more that right. way. Yeah, it's absolutely. like playing tennis. You always play people who are better than you. It makes you better. Uh, <laughs> you,
1: you, I, guys, you guys were great. Thank you guys so much for the for this the, was really the a lot, insight and context. This area. was
2: very enjoyable and yeah. we haven't uh, been able to be around a whole round table like this in a long time. It really is kind of nice uh, to be able to do this again. And uh, this guy next to me, Whiteley, is gonna be doing this a lot for a while i got to be out for some back surgery for a while for a nasty injury um so treat him nice give him a lot of treat listens nice. but don't give him too many how'd listens cuz then you hurt they'll your think back,
1: man how you hurt your back
2: on a boat uh i was a passenger on a tour boat in hawaii you did a, a rogue
1: wave? A we, or we,
2: it was a rough day on the way back, and uh, I was stretching my back, and we came down off of a hard wave, and things didn't go well for me. Ugh. And six months later, after I ignored it and ignored it and ignored the pain, I went in, and they were like, oh, you're going to need some surgery here. So wow. my message to people is, if you got pain, don't ignore it. Go get it seen about. Yeah. It took a good friend of mine to sort of slap me and say, that's chronic pain now and you need to go have that looked at otherwise i probably would have just kept on you know
1: stumbling along so well yeah give him know. another beer over yeah, yeah. or a few <laughs> exactly uh yeah we'll miss you but we'll we'll, we'll check in on you maybe. i'll be back if, before you know it good if you uh, if you answer your phone you, you rarely do <laughs> unlikely <that. Absolutely>. but krista <laughs> castaneda thank you so much for being here bud kennedy jason vialba Bernadine steptoe thanks so much thank you for listening as well we're back again next week i'll be back at least you'll be back We to, will not be back i'll try you to will update be back. you on wheeler uh, and, and see how he's doing too thanks for listening we'll talk to you then